Hi everyone, this is Brittany of Hungry Black Girl Travels, and I'm coming at you with another episode. Today we're going to talk about travel planning and all the tips and tricks that I've learned over the years since I started traveling. Um, I've been traveling on my own for about eight years um, since I was a freshman in college, and then in the last five years, I've started doing my own you know, trip planning, itinerary building, um, just mapping things out on my own. So I think I have a couple of tips and experiences that I've had that I love to share with you all because I get a lot of questions about how I do things, what are the smartest ways to do things. Um, I just wanted to talk about that with you guys today. So like I said, this will be about the top questions I get. Um, about travel planning, covering things like finding flights, um, using budget airlines, maximizing a short amount of time when you're in a destination, and just overall how to enjoy seeing more of this country and the rest of the world. So one of the first questions I usually get is, how do you find so many flight deals? So I am no, I guess, savant or anything when it comes to internet travel hacking. I don't do all of the code stuff and all the flight hacking. I am pretty simple um, and basic in my approach when it comes to finding flights. I use what's already pretty much put together for me, um, but I realize some people don't know about those sites. So I'll just list some of the sites that I use. Um, one of the best sites I use is the Flight Deal. Um, that site really focuses on finding deals from major US cities um, like New York, DC, LA, San Francisco, um, you know, those top cities where you'll see a lot of deals pretty frequently um, to destinations all over the world and other places in the U.S. Um, and since I live in the D.C. metropolitan area, I use that site mainly because that's where I'm flying out of. But they also have a sister, a sister site that focuses on um, some smaller cities, but still major um, airport hubs like Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston. And that site is Fairdale Alert. And I'm going to be linking these sites in the bio for this podcast so you guys can check them out, subscribe to their newsletters. Um, both of these sites have um, daily digest newsletters so you can get those updates sent to your email and just scan through them and see if you have any deals that you want to take advantage of from your city. Um, the other sites that I find pretty useful are Secret Flying. Um, also, same deal, they'll post different cities um, and travel routes based on those cities. Um, but I don't subscribe to any newsletters. I don't even think they have a newsletter. So that's just kind of a, you know, if I see them post on Twitter or uh, whatever I follow them on, uh, whatever platform, then I'll go to their site and check it out. But I don't check that site regularly. Um, and another one like that is Travel Pirates. Um, and then another one I subscribe to and I get emails from is Airfare Watchdog. I do find their site to be a little clunky and not as user-friendly um, as the fair deal alert or the flight deal, so I would just, you know, put that warning out there, but I think they are good if you're, especially if you're flying domestically, and they also list, I believe they list stuff about hotels and other um, deals that you can find that would be useful when you're traveling, so keep that in mind. So that's pretty much it on flight deals, and when I find deals on these sites, um, the next step is actually booking if I'm ready to go to these places. So I just wanted to note that when I'm booking, I use a couple of different sites. 
um, to track the fares that I want. Um, those include Google Flights, where you can you know, put in your route that you want, whether it be one way, round trip, or multi-city, um, whichever maximizes your travel experience. And then you can track it um, and get emails sent to your um, associated account as the fare changes. So I think that's a really great tool. I also use Skyscanner, which I feel sometimes aggregates from different sites that have these um, airfare, that have the same ticket available. Um, and so that's a little bit more riskier because some of them are, you know, the third party sites that may not be the best when you have a planned trip that you're not too flexible on. Um, so I think, or you want more flexibility on, excuse me. Uh, so I think that's something to be cautious of when you're booking on Skyscanner and they show you third party websites to book your ticket. Um, nine times out of 10, they're not going to be super helpful if you want to change your travel plans um, or you want to add something onto the trip. That's just the name of the game. And I think something I've learned over the years is just if you're ready to go on the trip, you need to be pretty, you know, stick to your plan if you can and try to deal with customer service as little as possible because that can really ruin an experience. Um, but if you do have, you know, the ability to pay a little bit more or, you know, buy directly from the airline and it's not too expensive, then I would do that if you want to have more options for flexibility or you may have a partnership through a credit card or um, mileage, membership, rewards, a membership, things of that nature that make you um, have a better experience when you deal with the airlines directly. Um, so those are my tips for booking. Um, I also use, sometimes I use Hopper um, and, um, what is that, Skip Lagged to track flights, but I haven't had much success um, with those sites. I don't find that they're super accurate um, for me or they, you know, have different pricing structures than what I see on other sites, so I don't really rely on them as much. But not to say they're not useful for when you're trying to track a trip. Um, Hopper allows you to see the best time to book or give your give their estimation of what that is and then you can, you know, decide whether you wanna believe that and wait till they say it's time to book or you just feel like, hey, this flight is a good enough price in my price range for me to bite the bullet and get it. So that's just my experience with them. Um, the next question I've been getting a lot is, have you ever flown insert random budget airline here? So sure you guys have seen deals from all these budget airlines over the years, like Spirit, Frontier, those are the big ones in the US um, that fly to the, around the US and the Caribbean. Um, and then when you're looking at international flights, you have um, budget airlines like WOW um, and Norwegian, which are European low-cost carriers who have been um, saving a lot of money for people who want to fly across the Atlantic over to Europe. Um, and I've taken both of those airlines um, a few times over the years, so I definitely have some insight on that experience. And overall, I think they are a great way to save costs on travel. And you can, you know, repurpose, reallocate that money to other parts of your trip, which makes your trip a lot better in my experience, because that's what I ultimately think it's about when it comes to travel. It's about the on the ground experience, but I know that's different for a lot of people. And of course, you want to be comfortable with your flights. So I think that, you know, varies depending on the traveler. But I will say um, there are some ways you can 
make those experiences a little bit better when dealing with budget airlines. Um, and for me, that comes from just being smart about all the fees. Um, a lot of people will say they're hidden, but they're really not. They're very clear. Um, and it just takes a lot of research and you know attention to detail on the traveler side to make sure that you're not inconvenienced by some fee that comes up when you're at the airport. So just be smart about that. Look at what's clearly stated on the tickets, the itineraries um, that are sent to your email or what's on the site. You know, nowadays, even the major airlines like American, United, Delta, they have um, basic economy as a class um, when you're booking and they make sure that you know what you're booking as you go through the process because a lot of people are um, upset when they get to the airport and they find out that they can't bring a carry-on um, of the standard size that they usually bring, um, but then they don't realize that they saved um, quite a bit on tickets because they chose that option. And so it just, you know, takes a accountability on the traveler side now, which is a little bit unfortunate when you think about these major carriers cutting, cutting corners as well, but it's just the name of the game that we're in now. So just make sure you're looking at that. Um, and with the budget airlines, I would say I've experienced times where they aren't as, they're not enforcing the baggage policy fully. So there are some ways you can get around that when it comes to the carry-on. Um, from my experience, other travelers that I've talked to or, you know, met traveling have told me they have never had a problem when they've had a, a carry-on on Spirit or Norwegian um, where it has no wheels or no handles, um, no, um, like hard handles. It just has the soft duffel bag style handles. Um, they haven't had any issues where the gate agent will pull them aside and make them weigh it or put it in the basket for measurements. So I think, you know, for the most part, you just want to steer away from having roller luggages or anything that's, you know, not typically going to fit in under your seat or it looks like it's really not going to fit under your seat um, just so you don't draw attention to yourself because I think that's what they're told to look for. I don't have any you know, proof of that, but that's what I've experienced and what I've seen um, other people experience. And then, um, you know, if you can purchase a luggage weight, um, a weight, kind of a hook for your luggage to, you know, measure your weight a little bit more accurately i think it is a good investment i honestly haven't used one in years my parents used to have one um at home and i just never bought one of my own but i do think it helps if you are you know you know yourself you overpack and you don't want to be at the airport having to switch things around which has happened to me before um on a budget airline traveling with friends and we've had to reallocate things um in the luggage because they weighed it in advance so i think yeah, back to my other point, sometimes you can get um, pulled aside and you just have to be prepared for anything. So in general, I just wouldn't push it. Um, and then one of my tricks I would suggest for budget travel on these budget airlines would be to try and share your luggage between your travel partners already. So before you get to the airport and have to repurpose things and shift it all around between your friends, why don't you guys just collaborate, um, see if there's any space someone has, um, if they're already planning on bringing a larger suitcase and paying for it, then why not just you know, combine your things and you guys can split the payment if there is an extra fee for that size of baggage and I've done that a lot or um, when I've been on a trip where I'm buying a lot of souvenirs or my friend is buying a lot of souvenirs we'll do what we'll do is just buy um, a suitcase from a 
cheap suitcase store somewhere in that country or city um, in the U.S. and we'll just, you know, load up all the things that won't fit in our original bags and split the cost and save money there because sometimes you just can't get around bringing more stuff back. So those are my tips on budget airlines. The next question is what are the top phrases to learn in the native tongue? So I take that as, you know, what are the things that will really make your travel experience um, the easiest when you're in a country where English isn't, or your native tongue isn't the predominant language, wherever that may be, um, and you just want to navigate a little bit better. And so for me, I find just general niceties, the, you know, hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, thank you. No, thank you. Excuse me. Those are the types of phrases that you want to know just so you can start having conversations with people. Um, you may not be able to have a full discourse, but you can at least start a conversation with someone and, you know, move on to asking the next question, which I always find useful to know, do you speak English? If that is the language that you know, um, just knowing if that person could communicate in your language, um, whether it be English or whatever, um, I think it's great to ask that up front and just save a lot of time trying to speak a foreign language um, that you're not as well versed in. Um, sometimes we do travel to try to learn a language, but I think in certain moments where it's like high intensity, like there's a lot of intensity and you're just trying to figure out where to go or figure out, you know, how much something costs, like sometimes it's just better to default to your native language and then if you get an opportunity to speak to that person and it's less intense um, then you can just try and practice whatever you've learned in their language um so yeah do you speak english or do you speak insert whatever your native language is um is really helpful sometimes and then for me because i like to shop when i travel and normally try to find local markets or um, vendors, um, different stalls and vendors that, you know, might offer discounts or they have different prices. Um, they may have different prices for, um, local people versus tourists. Um, sometimes I like to just make sure I'm paying a reasonable price. Like I don't, in these years, these few, last few years that I've been traveling and, you know, I have a full-time job back home in the U.S., um, I don't put as much stress on haggling when I travel. Sometimes it, I find it to be more stressful than rewarding, um, but I do think it's a part of a lot of cultures, and it's definitely a practice that people enjoy, um, you know, taking part in, and it can enhance your experience and connecting with people, um, but to a certain extent, I think we just have to realize, like, when you're traveling, you don't want to be pressuring someone to lower the value of their product so much that they're not, you know, getting a getting the true value of it. I think it's just something that we have to realize if you're traveling from, you know, a position of, um, you know, privilege um, in your home country. And, you know, a lot of the times when you're looking at the things that you're buying in the markets, they're not things that people in local countries typically buy. So they are, you know, setting prices within the mind that tourists will be purchasing those things. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. But like I said, I still do it. I find it to be um, fun sometimes. And I like to ask people, I like to know how to ask how much something is in um, whatever language 
in that country that I'm traveling in. Um, if it's a short phrase or a long phrase <laughs> that kind of dictates on whether or not I'll use it. But um, I think that helps a lot. And, you know, people trying to say like, oh, like I see this person is trying to understand my language, trying to understand a little bit more about my culture. And maybe even the item that I'm buying has a cultural significance that we can start to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I think that opens up the floor a little bit more for negotiation. And then I just like to know if it is something that I'm not super passionate about um, and I'm willing to walk away from it. And most things, that's most things because I'm not a big souvenir collector. Um, I'll just say that's too much or that's, you know, too much for my budget. And I'd like to learn what that is in that country's language um, just so it has a little bit more impact just in case a person is willing to make a deal with me um, I just want them to know like hey I'm not ready to pay that much and I know you're probably scamming me <laughs> with whatever price you came out with so let's try and you know come down a little bit so yeah saying that too much or can you come down um, in your price I think those are helpful phrases to learn or just like some keywords um, to learn and then like I said if the person speaks English even better you can start to have the dialogue in English, um, hopefully be more effective. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are my top phrases to learn. Um, definitely from my own experience, but I'm sure there's plenty out there that people have written about that could be useful. So check out, like Google that if you do have some more questions. Um, the next question I get a lot is, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, how do you know what to do in any cities that you travel to and how can you make the most of a weekend getaway so I'm looking at that question of how do you go about planning your itinerary and especially how do you go about planning when you have a short amount of time and you want to see a lot of things or you know <laughs> you're not probably going to get back to this place for a long time so you want to just take advantage of you know being in a new place and seeing things that make it special um which I get for sure, and I definitely try to do on a lot of my trips um, because I'm a working professional um, since I graduated. I haven't been able to go on you know, a lot of long extended trips, or if I do, they're not um, planned by me. I've gone on group travel um, or group trips or planned trips with companies, so I don't get as much wiggle room to do the things that I would necessarily find when I plan my own trip. Um, but when I do have the chance to plan a trip, I definitely want to make use of maps and, you know, different map tools to aid in my planning because I find if you're not being efficient with the route of your itinerary for any day, then you're going to end up kind of wasting time zipping around the city or, you know, whatever location you're in. If you're traveling between cities, like you're just going to be spending more time in transit sometimes or just not getting to things as quickly as you could versus building um, a schedule based on things that are close like a little bit closer to each other or um, at least along a route that will get you back to you know a main destination or your final destination a little bit easier um, so for that I definitely would recommend downloading the map of the country that you're visiting or the cities that you're visiting if you can um, download as much as you can before you leave wi-fi or before you leave your data plan um, for the day i would download those maps on google maps um, another site or app that i find useful and 
depending on what country you're traveling in, is maps.me. Um, and those apps allow you to basically interact with um, different points that you've highlighted, places that you want to go uh, without needing Wi-Fi or internet service. Or you could just get T-Mobile and be able to use your phone anywhere without having to pay extra. That's my light plug for T-Mobile. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely find maps to be useful in my initial planning. And then I switch gears to the social aspect um, because a lot of times when you're traveling to a place, you're definitely not the first person who's been there with your same list of places that you're interested in going. Um, and you're probably not the person who, the first person who's been there with a short schedule. So a lot of times we get overwhelmed in planning and don't take advantage of what people have already done. Those people who trailblaze before us, uh, for me, I specifically seek out other black women who have gone places and have written about their experience. And I think there is a wealth of information on the internet and in different social networks. Um, well, you can pull that information um, from people who've already put it out there and, you know, want to ensure that people have good experiences um, or are aware of things when they travel. So one of my best ways to know, to try to make, um, try to take advantage of a short amount of time in a place is by looking into those groups. And I'll list some of the groups that I use. Um, I try to connect with people in the Nomadness Travel Tribe. So shout out to Nomadness. I've been in that travel group since I was in college. They did um, a big HBCU college tour when, um, actually I wasn't in school during that time. I was, uh, I wasn't at Spelman during that time where I went to college. I was um, studying abroad, but my friends went and they were really, you know, inspired by Avita and her team when they came. So they joined the group. We were all probably like eight, 19 <laughs> at the time and hadn't done any, you know, travel on our own. And it was just great to see someone who's doing something like that on a large scale for um, black and brown people specifically um, and just creating a community for people to share their experiences. So um, I was able to join the group, finally got membership after a long time. <laughs> um, and it's been a great experience since then. They have documents in the group um, where they basically do a rundown of different countries where people have been and everyone can input their information um, through the Facebook file feature. Um, and then they also have their you know, the actual Facebook group where people talk about things, which can be a little bit annoying to go through, but I just, I find it useful. So I make the time and effort to do that. I don't know a lot of people who would, and a lot of my friends don't, but it's just something to know that that's there. A lot of people um, have talked about different destinations and things that they've done. Um, so it's just a matter of doing a Facebook search and looking through the comments and seeing what people have done, what they liked and what they didn't like about certain places. Then the other travel group I'm in that I find pretty useful is Drifter Travels. Um, and on that um, site that or that network is um, on the Slack platform. So you would have to um, have a, an account on Slack and then I'll post the link to join in the in the summary of this podcast. And then you can add yourself to the groups and they have different um channels that's how slack works they have different channels with different topics and themes and you can join those channels um, if you're interested in a specific topic um, or you could just ask questions in the main drifter chat uh, which i think is pretty useful there's travelers from also from nomadness and other travel groups i think it came out of um, some people who were a part of the travel noir 
noir um, community before um, and then they you know decided to create their own group and I think that's really useful because people have a lot of a wealth of knowledge which is really great and they have a lot of different experiences that they're happy to share if you have a question um, and then they have their own Google Doc folder that you can access once you're in the group and you can see different um, tips or like codes that people have compiled over the years hotel discounts things like that um rental car discounts i think you know they try to be a resource and they also have a podcast which is really great the um drifter podcast um that brian and um a couple other people in the group put on um a show and they you know talk about the different tips that you know they've come across over the years talk about credit card rewards and miles and all those things that i'm not going to get into today so i would definitely recommend checking them out um, and then I'm also in a group called Travel Club on GroupMe, which is um, GroupMe, if you know the app, um, there's a lot of different groups. <laughs> I feel like I first came into a contact with it from group projects in college and people just wanted to have a central place to send links and send information. And then it just blew up into being like a huge social networking thing. And you have the wave and all these different you know groups that are for people sharing information and talking about what's going on in their insert random city here um and for the travel club it's a what it seems like is it's a group of young black professionals who are you know specifically talking about their experiences when they travel and asking questions um sometimes repetitive questions but still you know it's great to have a platform and a space for that and um over time we have been you know taking the recommendations that people post in there and someone created a google drive um file for domestic and international travel where people are putting those recommendations so they're not lost in the millions of messages that GroupMe <laughs> allows you to send but you can't search um so that's just you know a tiny flaw in the app but people are working around it and trying to capture that really valuable information because I think you know for our age group definitely being young professionals some of our experiences are very different from um the individuals who are in those other travel groups um who it's just a part of a different generation. I think it's important to have space for people at every stage in their travel journey and just, you know, making sure that their experiences and their voices are heard and the things that they've um, seen in the world are shared um, more broadly. So I definitely appreciate that group and I'll link it there if you'd like to join. And then um, there are some other sites that I follow, like Travel Noir um, specifically, um, I'll go there sometimes um, now that they, you know, their platform is really easy to find different posts and um, people's kind of experiential, their like blog posts or their, um, you know, overview of a country. That's how they kind of put out stories now. And so I'll just go there and do a search and see what articles are linked to whatever destination I'm going to. And that'll be um, pretty useful. Um, and then overall, I just wanted to make a point to let you guys know in planning, like it shouldn't be something that's scary um, or intimidating when you're reaching out to people in these groups. It definitely makes a better experience. And I think that leads into the next question, which is how to plan for spontaneity around travel, um, specifically because, you know, you want when you're planning, you want to have 
um, a good balance of, you know, knowing what you want to see, what you want to experience um, in a country, but also knowing that you can't possibly know everything about a place before you get there and how things are going to happen, how things are going to run day to day. Um, there's always something that comes up that may throw off your whole itinerary. You just have to be flexible. Um, and so I know for this question that a lot of people, they just consider themselves incapable of planning ahead or they just don't enjoy it and they have to be honest with themselves about that and honest with the people that they travel with um, or else they'll yeah, come to these roadblocks in their trip planning and it'll be a, in their actual travel experience and it'll be um, just a poor experience for everyone. So I think, you know, there has to be a balance in finding that middle ground um, between those very different personalities of the person who doesn't like to plan and the person who over plans and ends up missing out on, you know, those hidden gems that you wouldn't find if you're, you know, traveling at such a fast pace and you're trying to pack in so much every day. Um, and it just takes communicating with your travel partners and expressing your travel goals. I think that is something that has become more important to me over the years after having experiences traveling in groups and by myself. Um, a lot of times my goal is to just experience a place um, at a slower pace, but I know I don't have as much time um, and I might not get a chance to come back. So that in turn makes me get a little stressed out and I want to see a lot more um, and pack in a lot more in my days. But a lot of times that doesn't mesh with um, other people that I travel with. And I think it's, you know, it can cause a rift in the trip or it can cause, you know, us to miss out on opportunities. Um, to be spontaneous because, you know, we're just doing too much and we're tired at the end of it all. So I think it just really takes communicating that with each other and making sure everyone's clear about what their expectations are, you know, overall, not like so specific, but if you can't be specific at that point when you start the trip planning, like at least know what everyone's travel style is a little bit better. And then just coming to the point where you accept that you know, you're not meant to travel everywhere with everyone and some of your friends are just your friends who you do best with when you're at home or when you're you know hanging out and it's more convenient um i think travel can be pretty stressful for a lot of people and it shouldn't be that way because of your friends and it shouldn't be that way because of expectations that you know other people have that you don't so i think we as we grow up and as we you know take advantage of traveling um, more, I think it's just something to keep in mind as you choose the trips you go on and, you know, you have the power to make those decisions on your own. Um, just keep that in mind and just, you know, try to stay in open communications with your travel partners to make, to take advantage of as many opportunities as you can. Um, so yeah, that is my take on that. Um, and then the last question I'm going to respond to, um, kind of referencing the other things I talked about um, today is how do you maximize your time in the port country whilst on a cruise? And so, like I mentioned, this is a broad discussion today. Um, and I think a lot of the tips that I've given earlier, they apply very much so to the cruising experience. Uh, I went on my first cruise now almost two years ago. Um, it was a multi-city, um, a multi, a multi-country um, cruise, and so we docked in three different cities, three different ports, um, for a short amount of time, or 
well, short is relative for, um, you know, about eight to nine hours. And I think when you do that, you really, you know, have to decide what you want to do and be, you know, pretty strategic about it. Um, otherwise you're, you know, that time goes by pretty quickly and you're just like, oh man, I already have to be back on the ship or I'm going to get left. (laughs) So if you're, you know, the type of person who just gets off and wants to just lounge at the beach all day, that's great because normally the beach is not too far from where they, um, the port is, or they have um, a pretty easy system to get you there. Um, you can take the shuttles or whatever services are out there. But um, I think you come into some conflict when you want to do the excursions on an island or the different um, activities that are popular. And so I think some of the tips I mentioned about, you know, using different resources on the internet, doing research, um, seeing how far things are, how long tours take. Um, I think that's really important. I know a lot of times the cruise tours can be pretty expensive, um, but they do, you know, make sure to get you back in time so you don't miss the port, um, miss the cruise ship when they have to get back on, um, on sea. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, but I feel like from my experience, a lot of times you can, you know, plan your own day and just be really like strategic with the planning so that you're being mindful of the time it takes to get to whatever site you're trying to see or whatever tour you're trying to do, how long it takes and how much time you'll need to get back. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a good experience on the days I went out on the, out of the cruise ship and got off the boat and just, you know, got to walk around or take taxis around, talk to local people and figure out what, um, what was a cool thing to do on the island that day. Um, and I think that's just, you know, part of it, being open to trying different things and going with the flow and, you know, having things in mind, but not being too, sticking too much to it because that is a part of traveling. It's just experiencing new things and seeing where the world will take you. So I'm going to finish up the episode there. Um, there will be a part two to this that is more focused on budgeting and how to be smart about your travel budget um, when you're going on trips and just some of the tips and things that I've experienced um, when I've traveled and tried to keep a budget. So stay tuned for that and thank you again for listening to another episode of Hungry Black Girl Travels.